Ho, ho, how is everyone? Welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie, the ho, ho, horror movie. Po- I should have done it there. <laughs> God damn it, Like <laughs> The horror movie podcast where we talk about films off of the 200 best movies of all time list. Sorry. Christmas season, throw me off. The Rotten Tomatoes 200 best horror movies of all time list. Ho, ho, horror movies? The ho, ho, horror of it all. <laughs> Uh, my name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I am good. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we were going to do, we, this is our 50th episode. Jesus. Big number 5-0. Oh my God. And uh, we were going to, it's usually a wild card, but um, we decided since this was going to be our last episode of December and probably of the year. I thought you were going to say probably ever. And I was like, oh, are we calling it? We'll see how it goes by the end of this. Um, We decided to shift things around and do our uh, Christmas episode uh, because we have yet another Christmas movie to watch that is on our list, which is number 133, 2016's Better Watch Out. Uh, Had you seen this movie before? No, I was completely ignorant of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't heard of it. I really did not know what we were in for. Yeah, yeah. This I came across this. This was a Shutter movie for me, where I was. Mm. It kept popping up on Shutter, and uh, um, this is really unfair of me to say, but yeah. a lot of like modern movies, modern horror movies that pop up on places like Shutter mm-hmm. exclusively. Mm don't always end up being very good and so i think they're getting better now now that they're a much more established platform yeah i think they're bringing a lot more interesting and really good uh uh, stuff to the table so i kind of didn't watch this for a while Mm -hmm. um but then it was i think i was doing a big october horror movie thing and i was like oh christmas it's gotta do she's writing i'll check it out yeah um and i was kind of pleasantly surprised by it because i was expecting I was expecting the first half of the movie to be the whole movie. Yeah. And so I was very much taken off guard by the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was enough to get me through it and going like, oh, okay, there's some, some cool stuff there going on in there. That's pretty, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I've also, I also have learned recently, and I don't, I don't know if it's just because we did this and we did Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. I love Christmas horror movies. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, you and I are both big Halloween people, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I think this is a way of sort of injecting a little bit of, of the things we love about Halloween and horror movies into the Christmas season. Yeah. To, to, make, yeah. to make something about the holiday season a little more appealing for weird, morbid types like <laughs> you and I. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's, I feel like I've always... I've always liked this aspect, but I only recently realized that mm. I liked it because I have always been a huge fan of uh, Christmas Carol. Oh, like, yeah. I love the Christmas, uh, Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. And I I think I love it primarily because it's a ghost story. Right, right, I, yeah. I, I know as a kid, anytime that I watched it or any version of it. The Muppet version. The best version. Yes. I would generally kind of skip over the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present and uh. go from my favorite parts were Marley and the ghost of and then Christmas straight future. to the Grim Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, I've always liked that. I've always um, 
and I and I didn't realize until recently that there is an entire tradition of Christmas, generally in the Victorian era, where obviously Dickens was writing, yeah. of ghost stories being equa- uh, written and read during Christmas, and mm-hmm. there's all sorts of old world Christmas traditions involving monsters and stuff, which I find I've been I've been reading up a little bit on recently. Lots of Krampus in your yeah reading. yeah I'm. Nobody listens to this show, right? No. Uh, if I do a sequel to Bloody Hell, mm-hmm. it's going to be a Christmas story. Everyone's going to steal that idea. <laughs> and uh, so I've been looking up a lot of old world kind of Christmas monsters yeah. and things as something Pagan to play on. Pagan rituals. Exactly. Nice. And I've I've been really fascinated by it. It's, it's very interesting to me. Uh, and I, I wish... I've I've learned th- some things about myself that I love creepy Christmas and I love Victorian yes. Christmas. Um, those, those are kind of synonyms. <laughs> they are, but like the, the Victorian <laughs> no, Christmas, no, yeah, yeah. Victorian Christmas, while ghostly, yes. is also v- much more cozy. I feel than modern yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's lots of big roaring fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. candle, yeah. lots of stuff lit by candlelight. Yes, lots of uh, uh, haunted more, dolls. Haunted dolls, yeah. more green than I realized. The color is a big thing for me too. Mm. I like it because it's more green than red. And modern Christmas yeah. is very red. It's very red and white, which I think conspiracy theory. Oh is boy, a subliminal kind of thing where it's like red and white equals Santa Claus, which means subliminally go buy some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would buy that. I also just think like, like lights, like colored lights mm-hmm. tend to be more fun when they're like either the multicolored ones or the white ones or the red ones. You know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of asking for green lights. That's true. Yeah. You know, green lights on a green Christmas tree. Yeah. Is, a, is an Interesting. Interesting uh, look. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, how, how do you feel about Christmas? Scary Christmas or Christmas in general? I mean, I was raised Catholic, so Christmas has always been scary. <laughs> <laughs> Scarier than Easter? I feel like Easter's the scary. Oh, one. no. Easter's the happy time. East, Easter is the time where we find out that God loves us enough that we're going to go to heaven eventually. Uh-huh. Um, no, no, I mean, I mean that in, in, you know, I'm, I'm mostly being facetious, but you know, I, I went to a church where one of the priests would very often give very long sermons about how we are all sinners and we will all, you know, dance in the flames unless we beg forgiveness good enough. Um, so I think there's always a little bit of that and, and this, the sort of idea of kind of like reward but also punishment is very built into it mm-hmm. you know where mm-hmm. it's like if you're bad you get coal and all of that um but no i, I like i like creepy christmas because another thing is like i think that christmas whether you're religious or not it's a time of ritual yes yeah and there's something kind of inherently like otherworldly or mystical or just just something about the rituals we even do you know, we call them traditions or habits or just like what we do with our family. But in a weird way, they are rituals. And mm. and to me, there's something that's always kind of reaching outside of daily life yeah. when you're doing a ritual, like the kind of search for something beyond, which I think inherently is kind of creepy. Yeah, because there's always stuff baked into it where it's like, oh, we always have these people over for dinner or yes. mom always makes this one dish or something like right, that. Right, because like superstition is one step away from ritual. Right, you know? yeah. 
Yeah. And and yeah, and just like the, there's there's all this like kind of embedded symbolism in our like traditional holiday decorations and colors and all of that that it, that does very much go back to pagan traditions yeah. and I find yeah. that kind of stuff fascinating. So yeah. I'm all for like, you know, the monster in the wood in the snowy woods kind of vibe. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And because I mean, it almost makes more sense as a scary holiday given that it's, yeah. you know, the darkest time of the year. And you're it's you cold. know, if you're good, you get rewarded, but if you're bad, yeah. you sort of get your comeuppance. Sometimes <laughs> uh, I've been learning this recently. Yes. Sometimes it didn't matter, but depending yeah. on which demon or person was showing up yeah some of them took good kids i i learned about today just today <laughs> yes i can't remember the, this entity's name mm. uh but the the idea if i remember correctly was that um on the eve of her holiday this is a yes. separate ho- this is like a w- separate winter holiday that she is uh, uh associated with yeah um if you drink beer or eat sausages she knows and if she comes into your house and you have eaten sausage or drink beer this is like the most German thing I've ever heard. I was going to say, this is a German legend. She will cut your stomach open, <gasps> take out your entrails, and replace it with uh, kindling and coal. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I don't know what the purpose of that is for, but let's put it on the list of, of weird shit that happens uh, depending on what region of uh, Europe or Scandinavia you tend to be from. Yeah, I was trying to look up. I was like, do I remember who this is? And I, I don't. It began with a B. I can't remember. It was, okay. it was. I've been, I've been listening to this audio book about old world, like Christmas spirits and stuff, and it's, yeah. it's just been a lot of snickles and <laughs> Berktas and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. I find it very fun. Yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. Unfortunately, we are here to talk about <laughs> better watch out. Mm. So uh, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll play the trailer and then we'll get into it. Want to put her in the mood? Watch a horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's going to happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? What the fuck? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's someone there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. Just go away. Fuck! Fuck! 
Okay, better watch out from 2016. Number 133 on our list, 89% Rotten Tomato score, directed by Chris Peckover, uh, story by Zach Kahn, written by Chris Peckover, starring Olivia DeJange. I'm going to say that's maybe how you say it. it, it all <laughs> sure. of these people are Australian, so it's probably oh. like it's probably like DeJange or something <laughs> a lot harder. Yeah, the way you said that, I was like, oh, she must be like French-Canadian. No, everybody is Australian <laughs> except for Virginia Madsen and uh, Patrick Warburton. All right. Uh, Levi Miller. Ed Oxenbold, Alex Mikic, Virginia Madsen, and Patrick Warburton, who's maybe doing an accent. I couldn't, I couldn't tell if that was like a character choice or if he was just doing a joke. Was he trying to do sort of like a Chicago area accent? I a thought he bit? was doing like a British thing. Oh no! There was a couple points where I thought he was when he was like trying on the ties and stuff. I must have. He must have just been doing like a like a, a bit. In the movie oh, was he like talking to the babysitter at the time? Was I think he, so. Was he trying to be like charming? Yeah, I think yeah, maybe, maybe he was just was doing it. a bit. Yeah. Uh, and also the brother of the redhead in Stranger Things <laughs> with the car who everyone, I think, assumed was gay, but they never really ended up doing anything with that. I always, I thought he was gay. I thought that was because he was so... In Stranger Things? Yeah. Doesn't he end up sleeping with a woman? Anyway. He does. But like <laughs> the way the, the way that they were presenting him, I remember he's like so angry in a very specific teenage way okay. that I thought the way that they were going was that he was oh, got you know, it. gay and his, his father Right, the reveal yeah. was going to be that he was angsty for a reason. Yeah, and his father hated him because of it. Because of it. I can't remember exactly what happened, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> Amanda, what happens in Better Watch Out? Ashley travels to the suburban home of the learners to babysit their 12-year-old son, Luke, during the holidays. She must soon defend herself and the young boy when unwelcome intruders announce their arrival. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It preserves the second half of the movie. Yes, yes. It does not give away the twist, which we are about to do. Yes. Well, before we do that, though, Clay, Mm -hmm. some things you'll find in this movie include uh, Chekhov's pencil. Mm -hmm. Which Chekhov said, if you introduced a pencil... Under the rug in the first act, you right. have to stab somebody with it in, in the face right before the third act. In the th- yes, yes, yes. Uh, a surprising amount of drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, young young kids with a lot of a, like a wide variety of substances in yeah. this movie. It's not even just like oh, I got my mom's whatever Valium right. or something. Yeah, yeah. It's... My mom's Xanax prescription is always in the drawer of her nightstand. Yeah. It's like. Oxy and sleeping pills and roofie and weed. Yeah, some sort of undetermined liquid that will roofie her in some yes. way. Maybe? Yeah. Which is questionable. Anyway, uh, Mythbusters Home Alone Edition. Yes, Facebusters Home Alone Edition. <laughs> oh, that's what I should have said. Damn it. Uh, strategic pants peeing. Very underrated defense mechanism. I'm impressed you can do that on command. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Even if you just have to, you have to go to the bathroom. In front of an audience. Yeah. Yeah. And um, unsurprisingly in this movie, highly questionable parenting. Yeah. Questionable parenting. I I think there's a lot to talk about with the questionable parenting angle of this movie because it's not like, it's not front and center. Yeah. But I do think a lot of, you could chalk up a lot of this main character to yeah. his upbringing. Yes. 
Um, yeah, like Luke's parents are not doing him any favors. Right. Or on the other side of things, they are doing him too many favors, depending yes. on how you yeah, look yeah. at it. Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it too. Uh, yeah. But I guess we, I guess maybe we should just start there because it's a. Well, before we really get into that, let's. Yes. How did you How did you feel about the first half of this movie? Because as I mentioned before, there is a, a pretty severe, serious turn. Yeah. About halfway through, maybe a little bit. I can't remember where it happens exactly, but yeah, um, that recontextualizes everything that's going on. Um. Having not seen it before, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts in the first chunk of this? Um, yeah, well, I kind of had mix, mixed feelings mm-hmm. about the first part of this because obviously, like, it, w- once you've seen this movie, in retrospect, it's pretty clear that they are intentionally kind of hitting all of these yeah. sort of tropey notes and moments with with the characters in the setup Mm -hmm. um but so right off the bat i found the entire learner family really viscerally dislike likable like yeah (laughs) i i really did not i didn't find patrick warburton charming i found him creepy in this he's got like five lines in this movie it's and they're all (laughs) trying to flirt with the babysitter yeah and like being like annoyed with his bitchy killjoy of a wife yeah and no. his wife is a bitchy killjoy yeah um it's it, i it i feel like he's on the line in an interesting way because it does come off as creepy but like i couldn't tell if he's yeah. flirting because he's flirting with a cute girl or if he's flirting in a like a dad being a dad kind of way you know i actually think it's a little bit maybe creepy was the wrong word to use it's kind of pathetic Sure, that's a good word to use. Because it's this very, like, he clearly likes the fact that Ashley, the babysitter, laughs at his jokes, and right. she's pretty, and right. she's nice, and she smiles at him, and she's, oh, Mr. Learner, you know, oh, you're yeah. so funny, and da-da-da, and, like, he's clearly really into that, like, he, it makes him feel like big, attractive man. Yeah, especially because his wife is not portrayed as the most... um What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, she has other things on her mind yes. than her husband or son. Yes. I guess. Although I guess she's the son's on her mind. Yeah, but she's like in a more superficial on, on the on the son. But, yeah. but she seems very superficial in the things that she cares about. And... Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's made clear pretty quickly that they don't like each other very much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's just this whole like the whole family is kind of insufferable. And Ashley, the babysitter, is, like, nice enough. She seems fine, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't have much of a character to her. Right. Especially in this first half. Um, And then, yeah, the setup is kind of... It's sort of like the same, like, the your next setup. Yes. Where it's like, you're trapped in the house. There's somebody coming for you with a gun you have to hide they're they're trying to kind of strategize she's trying to protect luke the 12 year old boy mm-hmm. um they're trying to sort of strategize their way out yeah and it, it does feel very uh it's well-trod territory and of course the setup here is also that luke is i guess trying to sleep with her yes as a 12 year old boy yes which <laughs> kind of <clears throat> It's because it's her last night. She's 
going to college or moving she's or moving. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so he's got a big crush on the, the babysitter. And so this is his final chance as a 12-year-old boy to sleep with his babysitter. Yeah, and and there's a line early on in this movie where Luke says, because he, he's trying to sort of like seduce her by, he's pulled out a bottle of champagne that he's mm-hmm. just chugging straight from. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to like get close to her and hold her hand and put his head on her shoulder and like flirt with her in a very, very poorly. Um, About as well as you would assume he'd a 12 year old boy would. (laughs) And at one point he says, Oh, well, but I'm very mature for my age. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're not though. Like you're right. You're precocious in that you think you're acting older than you are, but your attempts to act older than you are really highlight how young you are. Anyone who says they're mature for their age is yes. immediately giving away that they are not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, wrote in my notes, I'm mature for my age, the refrain of every immature, precocious child ever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so the first half of it, it's it's sort of like, I could kind of feel from the beginning that this was not, the the way the movie was gonna go sure like it it all kind of ramps up pretty quickly in terms of like the parents are gone the bad flirting has stopped creepy stuff starts happening around the house uh and then there are violent intruders and coming after ashley luke and luke's friend garrett yes garrett Garrett. yeah he's there as well yes i can't i know he leaves at some point i couldn't remember where he leaves but yes yeah, and it, and it happens, I would say, within the, the first, like, 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And it's a 90-minute movie. And right. And, you know, minute 35, you're kind of already hiding in the closet. Yeah. So I, yeah. I sort of was like, all right, something has felt off with these characters this whole time. So when the turn happens, I was kind of, I wasn't fully expecting exactly what the turn was. But when it happened, I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Okay. All right, I see. <laughs> I see what was bothering me from the beginning of this movie. And the turn being that uh, at a certain point, Ashley f- realizes that the home invasion is being faked by yes. Luke and Garrett. Garrett in order for Luke to look macho, I guess, Yeah. in, in the hopes that it will turn Ashley on enough to sleep with him, I guess. But it's not just that. It's that... After that point, Luke then flips a switch into like serial killer mode. Yes. Where he then knocks her out and takes her hostage and has this like really, the rest of the movie is this really creepy plan of his, which like I, it's, I don't know what the plan is after a certain point other than possibly rape, I guess. <laughs> I mean, so that's part of my problem with this movie is that I I feel like during this movie, there comes a point where Ashley and even Garrett, Luke's friend, have this revelation where like at one point, Ashley says, you were never planning on letting me go, were you? Mm -hmm. That was never the plan. And then you find out that uh, Ashley's boyfriend, is it like Ricky or something? Yes, I believe so. At first, it seems like he's just shown up out of the blue, and then you find out that Luke has used Ashley's phone to text him to get him to come. Yeah. And so it goes really quickly from he has this plan to seem like a hero to try and seduce her 
to, oh, actually, without anybody knowing, he's been secretly planning this massacre the whole time where he's going to lure these people to his house just to kill them. Yeah. Well, the way that he describes it is not... I don't think that his intention is to kill everybody because he does... when, When he's... There's that point where he's talking about he's going to slip her that roofie. Yes. And then she's basically, she's going to forget what happened to some extent. Yeah. And get blamed for stuff. But I think at that point, I don't know if, so at that point she's going to survive unless. Well, yeah, but then there is that line later on where she says to him, you were never going to let me go, were you? Okay. Yeah. I guess and he kind of yeah. grins at her a little bit like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. But so it's just, it, it's interesting because I feel like this movie hasn't really figured out how psychotic is this kid? Yeah. Because he goes from like annoying at the beginning of the movie to obviously screwed up in the middle of the movie to criminal mastermind by the end yeah. of it? Yes. Yeah. Like he, smarter than all the adults, the police and forensic science? Yeah. Nobody suspects the creepily precocious 12 year old, I guess. Yeah. And they kind of drop uh, lines... Um, so it just not, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, everything goes wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> with this, with this plan to seduce her. Right, right. And Luke gets pissed off at her and slaps her and it knocks her down the stairs and knocks her out. When she comes to, he's got a gun and he's tied her to a chair mm-hmm. and they're, and he's kind of taunting her and tormenting her a little bit while she's tied up and he makes her play truth or dare and to sort of destabilize things in her favor, Ashley says, you know, truth, it's like truth or dare, truth. And it's like, Garrett, did you know that Luke killed your hamster? Yep, yep. And it's like, it sort of starts trying to to shoehorn in these things where it's like, ah, yes, he, we're not just saying that this like precocious and annoying, but otherwise normal 12-year-old boy is suddenly a psychopath. There were hints all along right, in, right. in times before this movie began that he was a psychopath. And I feel like they're just kind of thrown in there to sort of try to make sense of this character. But but it's weird because nobody at the beginning of the movie is acting like this is a kid who's known to kill animals. Right. Well, you know... Or like torment people or like... I don't know. I... I sort of would have bought it a little bit more if in that opening scene where Ashley's driving to the house, Mm -hmm. she's on the phone with her mom. I could kind of get it if she was saying like, no, mom, I know, I know I said I would stop babysitting for them, but I just really need the money and Mm -hmm. they're really strapped. They don't know who they're going to even get. Like he keeps driving off all of his other babysitters. I'm the only one who will still do it. And now that we're leaving town, I just feel really bad. The learners have always been really nice to me and I know Luke is weird. I know you get weird vibes off of him, Mm -hmm. but it's just this one last time. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, and in that first scene with with Luke and Garrett, you don't really get the sense. I mean, obviously, I mean, the whole thing is that he is has kept this persona secret, right? Right. But it's not so secret that Garrett isn't surprised by what's going on. Like Garrett's in on the plan, right? So he knows that Luke is to some extent a psychopath. Yeah. Um. But in that first scene, you don't get any. Se- it, 
you sense that Garrett is the one who has some power over Luke. Right, that he's kind of the troublemaker. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you have to kind of play it that way in order yeah. to preserve the twist and stuff. But as far as the first uh, first half goes, I watching it this time was interesting because uh, we, we, we talked about this a bit on, on the chat when we were, as we were watching it, where I said it felt like the first half goes on too long. Mm. And I think you said you felt like it didn't go on long enough. Yeah. And I, it's knowing what the twist is, mm-hmm. it really made the first half feel like the, it was a it was like a drawn out um, joke that I knew the punchline to, if that makes sense. Sure. Like, I, like watching it this time, I saw the first half as the sort of wink we're going to pull the rug out from under you that it is right like i don't feel like it commits to the first part of the story yeah it because like obviously you got to draw the line at some point because if you go too far into home invasion thing then it becomes too real to to believe that these got these two kids are pulling this off right but if you don't go far enough then you maybe don't um have enough to hook people to believe it right so you kind of got to find a balance but I, and that's why it felt too long to me because it's yeah. like it's not it's not what they're doing here is not interesting or scary enough for me to like be hooked in by it yeah for 35 minutes or however long it takes to get to this twist yeah um if they had done i think maybe if they had done something a bit more interesting uh that didn't feel at least on second viewing, like sort of a, a going through the motions of a setting up this this joke or sure. you know prank, yeah, on the audience. Um, you know, like I, I guess not that this is a one to one thing, but like I whenever I watch Psycho, mm-hmm. I don't feel like the first twenty five minutes of Psycho is Alfred Hitchcock like winking at the camera leading up to killing off Janet Lee. Right. You know what I mean. Right. And again, that's probably an unfair comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say not not a lot of things are gonna achieve that level, but yeah, you, I, I totally I totally understand what you're saying, and I think maybe if this had been my second viewing, I, I would agree with you. But I think for me, part of it was. I know you were saying like if you if you drag this out too long it starts to become unbelievable that just two kids could pull this off. Yeah. I find it very unbelievable that these two kids could pull off everything that follows. That's the problem. <laughs> like I cuz I So like th- that was the most believable thing that they could pull off was a fake yeah. home invasion. The rest of it then gets exponentially harder to suspend my disbelief that a couple 12-year-old boys yeah. could coordinate. I, I, I kind of thought you were going to say that because yeah. I was like, yeah, I think the problem is that neither side, like both sides are too long. Weirdly. Yes, yes, because that was going to be my other point yeah. is that I almost wished that the home invasion section maybe was a little more suspenseful, a little more kind of hinting at like easing like almost like the way the movie halloween kind of eases you into the the eventual michael myers home invasion no obviously again a hard comparison yes and not something i think they should be that slow with but we kind of get through this in the first 
third-ish of the movie. And then we spend the next like 20, 25 minutes with our main character tied to a chair. Yes. Which makes things really slow. Like most of the scenes, especially before the boyfriend arrives, but even after the boyfriend arrives, when Ashley is just tied to a chair or is trying to cut herself free of being tied to a chair, it slows the movie down so much for me because also it leaves all of the energy and most of the lines and the focus on Luke. Yes. And I find him not a frightening character, but a gross and annoying character. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't scare me at all. He's a 12 year old boy. Right. I, you know, I think the problem there is that unfortunately I don't think this actor is good enough to make all of the stuff, the serial killery stuff he's doing feel natural or creepy. He felt to me like he was acting like stage acting. Yeah. It, it feels his style, assuming this is not intentional and that this is part of the idea. Cause I think there's some stuff to talk about in here as well, as far as, what he's doing, like I said, he's a uh, he's a product of a certain kind of upbringing, a certain yeah. level of clearly privilege. Yes, um, and probably spends a lot of time on the internet. You know, uh, there is an argument that what he is doing feels like it's an act because it is an act. You know, yeah. like he is he's acting the way a psychopath should act. Right, like he feels like he's doing um, like preteen Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> you know yeah the 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 comparison i kept thinking of is he he's acting like every scene he's trying to be michael madsen from reservoir dogs (laughs) where he's like kind of cool but kind of like dancing around getting ready to cut somebody's ear off kind of thing but it all feels really forced and right if if it is on purpose i think that would be an interesting choice but i don't think the rest of the movie really supports that reading yeah. Because a lot of it is he seems to be doing it for his... He's not doing it... A lot of it he does for his own... Well, nobody else sees him do it. You know what I mean? Like right. It's like after he knocks out Ashley with the bat, he, right. he does like one of those like... Something like the Joker would do. Yes. Where he like kind of yeah. spins around in a yeah. circle. You know. Yeah. It's definitely a character and a performance that is like heavily inspired by like post-2010 psychopaths in yeah, films yeah. you know like yeah the joker's kind of the perfect like that the yeah that sort of vibe like honestly if they had had him say to her like why so serious i'd be like <laughs> oh this is fantastic i get this yeah that he's trying he's acting a certain way based on his perceived idea of what a psychopath looks like this is not right. him like obviously he's clearly damaged and has a lot of problems yes but he is he is such a nothing of a person right that even in his psychopathy is stolen mimicry. is mimicry yeah. like yeah. that would actually be really interesting yeah uh, and, and i, I would buy clearly that not interested in that in this movie but right and, and it's too bad because i would buy that too because like i am of the opinion that he, t- he talks a lot about wanting to have sex with Ashley yeah. or wanting to see Ashley have sex or thinking to calling her a slut, like all of that stuff. 
they sort of try to give him this very like teenage boy sexually motivated mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah. But that doesn't like I kind of read this movie as more that he just wanted to kill somebody. Yeah. Like that he's more just a straight up like psychopath who wants to physically hurt people and 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 things less that he's actually interested in the sexual aspect of it. Like I don't think he would have been happy. Process killer, not a result killer. (laughs) But I don't, you know, I I get from from the character as he's presented throughout this movie. If any of his dumb, terrible, like if any of his bad seduction attempts had worked, don't you think he would have just kind of been like, oh, oh man, yeah, like he would have been let down. It seems like, like I almost would rather read his bad flirting as intentionally bad. Mm Because he doesn't want it to go well, because he wants things to go off the rails. Yeah, I I kind of was thinking something a little bit different because I almost would like it better if there, you know, because there's this there's this moment where Ashley wakes up from being knocked out and she's tied to the chair, and yeah. the dialogue that you hear is is Garrett and yes. Luke saying pretty gross stuff about yeah. women and sleeping with women. Yeah, well, and they're, they're doing fuck, Mary kill with yeah. the Adventure Time girls, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. And saying some pretty pretty lewd, disgusting stuff. And, like, I I wish they had thrown in there... Um, <laughs> Instead of fuck, Mary kill, he just wanted to do kill, kill, kill? No, like, <laughs> I wish they had thrown in there some dialogue that was showing you that they don't know what they're talking about. As far as it comes to sex. Yes. Because like that I find pretty interesting too, where yeah. it's like he wants to quote unquote have sex with his his uh, babysitter. Right. But he's still, he seems to be young enough, but also overconfident enough that he would uh, be talking shit that he doesn't know anything about and be completely incorrect. Like th- yeah. this, this is a really stupid example, but- <laughs> I remember an episode of South Park where Cartman was talking very confidently about what sex was like. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, you just put it in her butt and then you pull it out and pee on her leg. And it's like, like very (laughs) confident. Everyone's like, oh, wow. You know, it's like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the other boys are like, oh my God, really? Is that okay? And like, I kind of wish they had done some of that because, uh, because, you know, you brought up that truth or dare scene. I actually really like that scene because I what she does in that scene is she uses her knowledge as this kid's babysitter right against him cuz yeah. he's he's presenting in this very uh adult and dangerous manner right. and she pulls out right. all this shit that she knows because he's just a child yeah and i can't remember what causes it but she does something that is kind of arousing and there's a like there's a clearly a point where he gets like a hard on and is really oh, embarrassed about it they do when they're doing truth or dare garrett dares him to oh, yeah to grab touch her, her boob, breast yeah, yeah. um <laughs> you can tell we're both very adult here grab her breast versus touch her boob yeah <laughs> um but yeah but you know what i mean so like yeah. like there it's like he gets what he wants well, and, and, they, it, they... and he doesn't have the capacity to deal with it. right right and i and i think maybe that's part of the thing is that it, it is kind of this like he is only 12 he might think he wants one thing but he really wants another or right. he might think he's ready for this but he's not like but they don't do enough i think to show that tension inside of him mm-hmm. or like like you you never sort of get a good feeling for the for the fact that he might just be winging it yeah 
Um, right, yeah. You never have enough of a moment where I think... I don't think there's ever enough of a moment where even he kind of questions what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the first... I can't remember if he kills the current boyfriend or the... I think he kills... I can't, I can't remember if he kills the current boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend first. He kills the current boyfriend first, I believe. I, and that's the first person he kills. Yeah. I kind of would have actually appreciated it if there had been a moment where he had more of a reaction. Rather than just like, oh my god, that was awesome! Yeah, because in that scene, which is the Home Alone Pate can scene, yes. which honestly, great idea. Yeah, I do. I think we both kind of said this. I do yeah. feel like this movie is a little bit built around the concept of what what if Home Alone, but the kid is a psychopath. Yeah, well, I, th- <laughs> I, I feel like the conversation in, I can see the conversation of the genesis of this in my yeah. head, which is the two of them talking about Home Alone and coming yes. to the conclusion that Kevin's a psychopath. Yes. All the shit that he does to these people. Yeah, would have killed all of them. Like, right. Would have killed them repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that is the genesis of, of yes. this movie, which yeah. on, great idea. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, we're, oh yeah. In that scene where they do the, the paint can bit. Yeah. His reaction is, oh shit, you said it was going to knock him back. Like he's not expecting to kill the guy unless he is. Well, I think the debate they were having is, is, is I think Garrett said. It would be just like the movie and they would get. He would get right. knocked backwards by it. Yeah. But I think Luke's Luke's Luke has been arguing it will kill you. Oh, okay, sure. So yeah. I think that's the debate: is that that one of them was saying, "No, if you do that to somebody, it's gonna kill them," and the right. other one's like, "No, no, no, man, it'll just knock them over." And so I think it would have been even if it had been like away from the other the the sight of the other characters, like maybe while they were reacting all freaked out. Mm-hmm. Luke also kind of had a moment where, you know, you saw his face go white and his hands shake. Yeah. Or he yeah. kind of had a hard time breathing for a second. And then maybe after a minute was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Yeah. But just had a moment of shock. Just because I do feel like there's like a physical reaction you would have of like, even if you're obviously a psychopath who's super into killing people like the first time you do that is gonna evoke more than just a whoa cool yeah i think i think what's what's missing from this is you know we're we're both kind of talking about how the first half feels like it goes on too long the second half feels like it goes on too long uh it stretches believability in in places i think what's missing is a third element of this story where things get out of hand like nothing ever really gets out of hand here yes he always has control for the most part yeah and i think that's what makes it so unbelievable is that at no point does he make a misstep until the very 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 end right and even that misstep you you know you would you think up until the very last moment that he's kind of successfully pulled this off yeah because because i was thinking like i it feels like him killing that first person yeah should be the moment where he crosses the threshold into shit this is okay yeah you know like you know how they say um charles manson never intended anybody to die 
But yeah. after they were killed, he couldn't just be like, well, I didn't mean that. Like you have right. to, you have to own it. Right. Right. Even if you're inside going shit, 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 shit. You know, you yes. have to, like, I felt like that kind of would have been a good way to go where he's got these stupid childish ideas of what he wants. Yes. And he feels like he's in control. Then he does this thing, kills the first guy. Yep. And now he has to either own it or uh-huh. he, he has to own it, but things are starting to unravel and go nuts. Right. But it always he always has control over everything. Like you said, she's tied to the chair for like the entire second half of the movie. Yeah. And so there's not a ton of pushback against what he's doing. He's always kind of in control. Yeah, and I and I also think that like he he torments Ashley quite a bit for somebody he supposedly has feelings for. Right, right. And I don't think that there's enough like I, I guess you could attribute his sort of vitriol towards her to the fact that she's kind of rejected him and she treats him like a kid and she she has some harsh words for him after she realizes they're pulling a prank with the home invasion. Yeah. But nothing she does, I feel like really warrants the reactions it gets out of him i mean definitely not not even but not even (laughs) not even in like his kind of psychopath mind yeah like i don't know it just it just seems so disproportionate that he's gonna like not only lure one but lure two of her boyfriends to the house to kill them in front of her and keep her alive this whole time while doing all this shit in front of her, making making her watch them die, essentially, yeah. it just seems so like he has such an he like like you would assume he has like a, a very intense hatred for her, right? Yeah, which is a big turn from the first half of the movie, where ostensibly this whole thing happened because he wanted to touch her boobs. Right. It feels like the way his character should should be operating is that. You know, he's clearly someone who comes from money. Yeah. You know, he's got somehow has access to all these drugs and shit because and and seems like the kind of kid who's never been said no to. Yeah. And it feels like what the way this should go is a bit more. This kid gets everything he wants. He wants the he wants the babysitter. Yeah. She shuts him down after yeah. they pull this big thing. He knocks her out and now he's like he's in a, he's into a new level of of this plan. Yeah. Which then escalates in, into the point where the boyfriend's over. He's super jealous about this boyfriend, so he does the paint can thing, yep. not intending to kill him, right. but kills him and now he's in another threshold of what's going on. Yes. And so he has to now deal with this and and i yeah i think like the other boyfriend showing up probably should not be something he manufactures it should be somebody just shows up which now puts another like the carolers right Right. the carolers are there to to seem like oh shit someone's coming to knock and that it it doesn't matter like it's it's nobody of consequence it's not like it's gonna break his plan or anything yeah i think i think that's i think that's what would would work better for me is if he has a plan up to a point Right. And then after that point, right, like he, he pushes it too far and is now shooting from the hip. Right. He only has a plan up to a point because he can't fathom a world in which somebody says no to him. So he didn't exactly, plan yeah. for the contingency of being shut down. Right. I think it would also work better for me if maybe he didn't know she had a boyfriend. 
Sure. And the yeah. boyfriend shows up because yeah. they'd had a fight on the phone or something earlier. And he, you know, and then the boyfriend shows up being like, oh, I'm here to see Ashley. And him being like, who are you? Or and even if maybe she's seeing two people. Right. So like, you know, she's on the phone, blah, 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 blah. He thinks it's this Ricky guy. Yeah. But then it turns out, to, but then Ricky comes over. Then it turns out, oh, there's another guy because his reaction being this shithead kid yeah. would be like, you are such a slut. Right. You and know, like, I, oh, oh, they're they're good enough for you, right. but I'm not. Yeah. Two of these assholes. Right. You know? Yeah. Just like some some level of surprise on his part that would kind of explain the escalation and aggression towards her. Yeah. Yeah. Like in a way that I think this movie as set up doesn't really do. Yeah. I think it's tough, though, because like one of the things that I do like about this in the way that they do things is. Mm. They don't put such a fine point on the like shitty rich incel of it all. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Like it doesn't. I don't feel watching this like they're trying to make a grand political statement. No. Even though all those things are in this movie, like yeah. there are. There's a, a, a this entire character is acting out things that you hear about on the internet that people do and have been accused of doing and arrested for and put in jail for doing. Right. Um, right. And a gen- women and- yeah. And a general attitude that we, we have heard certain young types of young men have towards women. Right. Of yeah. like, if I tell her I want her, she should be flattered and say yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it's, I, it's interesting to me cause I think, I think this is pre me too. This is 2016, and I think that was yeah. maybe like the following year or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I wonder I wonder if this movie would get how that would play after that point, because that's when people started getting like hyper hyper aware of the fact that people point out this stuff that actually does happen. Right. Uh, but, you know. Right, and like rich, privileged kids tend to get away with a lot of shit. Right. <laughs> like right. like part part of the reason this movie works in, in in the way that it does is that he is a rich kid. Yep. Like they live in a big beautiful house in a safe and quiet neighborhood. He has access to money, all sorts of material goods and and whatever mm-hmm. like his parents clearly dote on him and sort of treat him like he can do no wrong. Mhm. And so he's given a lot of leeway and he's been raised in a certain way to sort of believe that he gets to have whatever he wants. And like that, I feel like, isn't really a political statement. Right, I feel right. Like, you know, like I feel like that's that's a kind of like, yeah, spoiled yeah. rich kid. That's a stereotype that's been around forever. Right. And and I think I think what's tough is they make a choice not to lean into the like the the spoiled rich kid stuff is yeah. all there yeah but they choose to lean into this other level of psychopathy yes and yes that he is somehow like an exceptional yeah because psychopath. I think what's difficult is this is the character that you have to to sit with for the rest of the movie yeah and yeah he really does become like the main character yeah and are you going to is it going to get really tired and annoying if your this character is more of just like a whiny asshole, right? Versus, oh, he's got something more interesting going on. So I think it's a, it's a tough call, yeah. Because I personally think that if you are have a good enough story, 
you can use this other way we're kind of talking about it where he, he yeah sure maybe he's a psychopath but yeah but like it's this idea that he gets everything he wants he doesn't get this thing and then it causes this ball to roll that is that is unexpected i think yeah. there's enough there where you can do that without this character becoming too annoying yeah i think so too and i and i and i think that would actually maybe ground this a little more in reality because this is a very this this is a movie very grounded in reality, you know. Like, yeah, for the most part, it, yeah. It's it kind of goes out of its way to show and explain all the ways in which they were able to pull these things off, and how Luke is going to get away with it in the mm-hmm. end because he's smart enough to have done, you know, tricked the ex boyfriend into writing a note that looks like a suicide note, and he's preemptively set up the noose attached to the tractor, and he's got like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he sort of has this like mousetrap, Rube Goldberg style murder machine set up in his house, mm-hmm. a la Kevin McAllister. Right. But it just becomes like it just becomes like silly after a point, or like too explained, or like too perfect. Everything yeah. is like too perfectly in its place. And I think, yeah, what we both keep kind of try hammering at is the fact that if if some part of this seemed like it was maybe not part of his perfect plan and things had gotten away from him a little bit, mm-hmm. it would make the rest of it more believable. Yeah. Just yeah. having him have made a mistake or two. Yeah, and it also, it changes the, the pace. Yes. And, you know, because I think we were yeah. both kind of talking about this where one of the things that makes the movie feel really slow is that Luke's... The, the affect that he has in yes. like the way that he acts in he's this like movie. He's like evil monologuing all the time. And it's very languidly paced. Yes. And it's like not, again, it's it's a believability thing where it, the stuff that he's doing feels very put on and he's yeah. doing it in a very deliberate manner that feels like it just slows everything down. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite parts of this movie in terms of Luke and, and, and how the actor handled it is when he, quote-unquote, has to shoot Garrett. Right. And he shoots Garrett and he flips the fuck out. Right, Like, yeah. he freaks out. He starts screaming. His voice cracks, which I think emphasizes how young he still is. Yeah. But, like, he's both upset but, like, in a huge rage. He's, like throwing a toddler tantrum but at the same time it's like the only real emotion he's shown this whole the whole movie and it comes at the very end and i feel like maybe seeing something seeing more of the cracks in his facade leading up to that Mm -hmm. or up to something like that would have added i think more for the actor to do too yeah you know what i mean like I, i feel like this character as written i don't know how else that actor could have handled it yeah, that's that's the thing is like if you don't find someone who can play this very kind of stylized character yeah. in a believable way, it's just not going to click. I almost kind of yeah. wish they had found something, and I think maybe this is part of it too, is that the stuff that he's doing does feel so stock serial killery that to the point where it made me think, oh, is he doing this on purpose? Is he mimicking? Like I, right. I was, I was thinking. I, I wish they could have maybe found something more natural for him to this kid to yeah. do because I think that actually would have been more novel. Yeah. Because he's whatever is comfortable for him in his weirdness. Yeah. Is probably going to be different than 
okay, now spin around and pretend you're the Joker. And okay, right. now you're Hannibal. You know what I mean? I'm not that they were right. saying that, but you know what like, I mean? Like, even if at one point he had, like, shut himself in his room and listened to the womb noise machine. Sure. Or yeah. something. Yeah. I would have been kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this kid's fucked up yeah. in a way that didn't quite feel like so much of an homage to so many uh psychopaths of years past yeah this i mean 2016 is a little late for this trope but this is kind of coming off the era of the dark knight where it's up everything going to the joker's plan and skyfall yeah which is probably the most ridiculous version of that the charismatic madman sort yeah. of thing. It's every everything, everything... What the hell was I just... I was just watching something. I feel like it must have been Star Trek or... I can't... It was one of the things I was watching recently. <laughs> Wrath of Khan or something. No, it was something more recent than that. But I was... It, it was this kind of thing where it's like... It's, it's very much... Maybe it was this. I don't know. And mm. my, my memory's just bad. But <laughs> I feel like there's a certain point where you've got... On the on the one side, you've got stories that are very uh, intricately plotted out and figured out. So the it was yeah. all part of the bad guy's plan thing is like, oh, okay, you can actually draw the right, line back. Right. On the other side, you've got bunch of crazy shit happens, and then as long as the bad guy goes, this was all part of my plan. Yes. It kind of like covers that. Yeah. And then once, but once you start doing the math in your head, it's like. What? There's no possible way that could be the case. Exactly. And so much of this movie is about this sort of idea that he's got everything figured out. Yeah. And he's got sort of a, a plan and a contingency. And, and you get to see the process of him setting everything up before knocking it all down. That it just makes it so much harder to believe when every time something happens, he's like, yes, I didn't intend to let you go. You're right. Or yeah. like, yes, the plan all along was like, I was the one who called Ricky and got him to come over. It was me all along. It was yeah. Agatha all along. Ricky turned out to be a pretty solid dude. Cause like once yeah, they get, right? they, they play him as this like pushy boyfriend character. Yeah. But once they get into it, it's like, Oh, he's actually kind of respectful of her. Cause yeah. they have, when they're tied to the chair, he's like, you know, whatever you choose to do, I really hope for the best for you. And it's like, Oh wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that from Ricky. I know, Mister Miss. He look. He can also pee on command. That's true. He's yes. a man of many talents. Um, he gets stabbed in the face with a pencil, and he continues on. I I do think that the the scenes, some of the individual scenes, I think are really clever. Oh yeah, like, like I, I I feel like I've been like really hard on this movie. Mm-hmm. It's still a fun movie. It's still like the the twist is very novel. The setup is really interesting because it does have that holiday home alone vibe completely turned on its head and yeah there are some individual scenes that are really really well done yeah like like uh the idea of him masterminding masterminding the other boyfriend showing up and faking the guy's suicide is like beyond the realm of believability yeah but that actual scene is really good yes where he's like convinces him to write a note that he ends up yeah. repurposing as a suicide yeah note. like when that's he's pretty, just yeah. when he just writes on a piece of paper like ashley i'm sorry and yes. he's like oh that that's it you're oh you're done so i guess you don't want her to come talk to you <laughs> yeah yeah like that i i really like that scene and that's one of those things where i was like you know if this is if this would feel even more clever if he had to do this on the fly and it yes. wasn't like part of his pre-planned idea. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think it's I think it, it it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. How do you feel yeah. about the ending? Because the way it ends is that he he stabs Ashley in the neck, yeah, and she appears to bleed to death. Yes, um, which even on the second viewing, I did not remember that happening, so I was very surprised when they no. did that. Um, but it turns, and then, so he has essentially gotten away with his plan. Yeah. He goes back up to bed, and then everybody, the his parents come home and find the massacre, And uh, but as they're, the paramedics are cleaning up the scene, they find out that Ashley's still alive. Yes. Um, and they wheel her out, and she flips him off in the window, and then there's a little yeah. bit of a post-credit scene where he's like, can we go visit Ashley in the hospital? Yeah. Which is which is fun, but I I don't know, and maybe this is all just built into my other issues with the movie. Do you feel like I, it's it's a it's a real bummer that she <laughs> essentially that he essentially wins with very little pushback? Yeah. Well, so before before I get into my feelings about the ending i do before i forget just want to say loki the mvp of this movie is garrett oh yeah he was a great actor like, really that good. kid is so good like he was such a like such a great actor i really genuinely believed him yeah. that like he just wanted he like he wanted this to just be like a crazy fun thing that his crazy best friend was doing his best friend who always got them out of everything because he's a spoiled rich kid. Yeah. He I mean Luke probably told him, you know, after I bang her, you can touch her boobs if you want. You know, right, like that. Right. Like, Cuz he's I you get the impression at least at the beginning that he's doing this to help Luke score with his yes. babysitter. Yeah, and then it becomes like a joke. Right. It's like a it's a prank and they're being bad and oh they might get in trouble, but it's like it's a joke and then as things escalate and he sort of becomes more and more torn between like, do I protect my best friend and let this continue? Or do I try to do something about it? Like, I don't know. Yeah. The actor was really great. He did a great yeah, job. Yeah, he was very good. Yeah. Anyway, the ending. Um, I had mixed feelings too. Because I, I liked... One thing I liked is that after he stabs her, the movie kind of commits for a quite a quite a bit of time to the idea that he's won. Yes, you know, yeah. there's a whole montage with him running around the house, sort of making sure everything is perfectly staged in a way that implicates the ex boyfriend as having shown up where Ashley and her current boyfriend are in an in a jealous rage, killing them both, and mm-hmm. then filled with remorse, hanging himself. Yep. And he goes through and he makes sure that the the, the ex boyfriend's fingerprints are on the gun and that he you know the pen there's a pencil in the right spot and all, all where all the things need to be. Can I talk about the pencil real quick? Yeah, I I think it's a fun device. The idea she's like you got to put the pencil on the door because he yes. sleepwalks. Yes, the, Chekhov's pencil. Yeah, and I was and I was like that's a fun device because and it comes back later at the yes. end. But what is that? practically supposed to do like you see that the pencil's off so you know he's been sleepwalking how does that help (laughs) i don't know because i mean if the pencil's off it means he left the room i guess or unless they lock the door i don't know right yeah i i I don't fully i I I don't fully understand it myself but yeah 
I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. But but so it goes through this whole rigmarole of showing him kind of cleaning up after himself. Mm-hmm. And then he has to uh, go into... He has to like go across the porch into the next room to yes, go yeah. back out to put the pencil in place to go back across the front por- top of the front porch, um, and he almost gets caught by his parents. And it's this this whole kind of like this this whole this whole montage, which I I kind of admire that the movie seems for so long yeah. like it's just committing to the fact that it's like oh yeah she's dead he won. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, I kind of wish there was more of a confrontation between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish she'd gotten the chance to, like, you know, hit him with the bat and say, like, fuck you, asshole, or something. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like one of the things that I think is the weakest about this movie is how Ashley doesn't really get to do anything. Yeah, it's it's tough because on the one hand... If you let her out too much, it kind of changes the tenor of the movie. Yeah. And I don't think the ending works quite as well because she spends the movie getting uh, prevented from yeah. finding a way out. And only at the end, when he thinks he's done everything perfectly, does it reveal that he's fucked up or she's ingeniously stopped the bleeding with the, the duct tape on her mouth right, or whatever. Right. And now she finally gets one over on him. Yeah. I don't know if that lands quite as well. If she has been more effective previously. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. I guess it makes it more believable that he was able to, quote unquote kill her at the end yeah the fact that she hasn't been very successful the whole time but at the same time it does like it really robs you as the audience of the catharsis of getting to see her actually totally yeah like and i i, I think that's him i think that's probably kind of what they're going for yeah this idea that she you don't get that catharsis with these characters until that very end moment where it's like you can't believe that this shithead's going to get away yeah. with this and then finally boom she's awake um so yeah it's it's tough but i do i do agree that i wish there was more for her to do yeah yeah like even if the ending was a little more like 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 i don't, I don't know yeah I, I it just feels so disappointing to have him get the sort of last uh sequence focuses on him he kind of gets the last word yes, because there yeah. is that that sort of end credit scene where he says oh can we go visit her i want to i want to see her yeah um i yeah it that's a cute little tag yeah but it does take some of the power away from which ashley flipping him off because right. at that point you're like oh he, this kid is fucked. Right. But once they have that little tag, it's like, if I liked this kid more, yeah, I think it would be more interesting, like a, a yeah, better like tag. There's, there's nothing in him that's like, you know, the happy hooligan kind of vibe. Like, there's nothing where, you know, like, like you know, the Dark Knight, the Heath Ledger mm-hmm. version of the Joker. You sort of, you're so compelled by him that in a weird way, you almost are rooting for him. Sure, yeah. Um... I don't get that with this kid. So it makes it right. like not fun to think that 
you know, he might prevail in the end for real. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, over, I think overall I do enjoy this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't enjoy it quite as much on second watch. I think because so much of the so much of it comes from the uh, novelty of the the twist, and yeah, it's unfortunately. I mean, it's it's great for what it is, but it, I unfortunately I don't think it's quite good enough to exist on its own for me anyway. Yeah, and I do think that this movie has like problems, kind of slight tone issues Mm -hmm. they go hard once he flips that switch yeah he goes hard into the misogyny angle and it's like it's very jarring it's very jarring and yet we're still supposed to kind of be laughing right yeah and i'm not (laughs) yeah like Like, sometimes i am but like more often i'm sort of not like i don't I, I like even that sort of end montage of him sort of doctoring up the crime scenes. Like there's like jaunty music and he's kind of like slapsticky sort yeah, of co- yeah. going across the front of the porch and we're we're sort of supposed to feel like tension for him. Like oh is he going to get it all done in time? Right, right. And there are these sort of like weirdly I don't know, a sense of humor in the way that, like, Die Hard has a sense of humor. Like, sure. Ho, like, ho, another, ho, another, ho, now I have a machine gun. Another great Christmas movie. Yeah. Yep. And, and it just, I don't think it works because of the way these characters interact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like trying to get you to like Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Yes. If the first half of Die Hard is Hans Gruber calling somebody a cunt over and over right. again. <laughs> you know, you like, slut. Yeah, it's like, ugh, like you're <laughs> like the the switch is so drastic yes. that you are immediately go, "Oh, this kid sucks. This is you, right. like, you so, hate this guy." And I think that's why getting robbed of that catharsis of Ashley like you know, whacking him over the head with something feels like such a loss. Yeah. Because you want, he's not, he's not the charming psychopath Hannibal Lecter who you want to see him escape kind of. Right, yeah. You want to see him get hit with the bat. Right, yeah. (laughs) And he he never does. And so I think that's, that's where, where my problem with the ending comes in. I I think he maybe deserved, not maybe, he definitely deserved much more punishment than you see him receive in the movie. Yeah, it's also it's also interesting too because like this isn't your typical horror slasher movie where you can end it by Ashley throwing Luke off the roof and he gets torn up into like a leaf shredder or something. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right, right. Like, He's still a twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, and there's a certain I think baked into the concept of this uh, spoiled rich kid is the idea that they kind of get away with it. Right. You know? And so I don't I don't know if you can and and so I think that's like I would almost like it even if though like he he got kind of caught and was being taken away by the cops and the mom was running after him yelling, "Don't worry, sweetie. We're going to get the best lawyers." Like, I know this wasn't you that, that you know, there was something going on here. Yeah. Don't worry, we're going to get you, you know. This is this isn't going to be how this goes for you. Yeah. Yeah, the, I or the other way to go with it is that he, because he kind of he kind of talks about earlier that they're never gonna believe her. Yeah, you know about this. Like, if it came down to it, it's the 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 word the word of a a, a teenage girl who's been drinking and having guys over versus yeah. the angel asleep upstairs. 
and uh there would be kind of there would be something satisfying about him leaning into that at the end being yeah. like it doesn't matter if i get caught they're not going to you know and, right but then they're his his expectations getting subverted again. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see um, Promising Young Woman? No, I did not. No? Okay. No. We'll, we'll talk about that then because you should see that before we talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting line to walk. I think with with the ending of this movie, I think it works decently well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's not the worst ending that this movie could have, and and you know, like with all of these. We're watching these to sort of pick through them oh, with a sure. fine tooth yeah. comb, yeah. so it's really easy to like yeah. pull on these tiny I mean, little I, threads. I do, I do find it satisfying when they wheel her out and she oh, flips yeah. it off. It's very, like, oh it's, yeah, yeah. So I think, it, I think because it it's works also very well. in character for her, yeah, that she would just be like "fuck you" and get yeah. rolled into the ambulance. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have any other? thoughts overall we i think we uh this is number 133 on our list do you like the placement do you want to take it off the list do you want to keep it on the list <sighs> you know i i think this is one i would either move it much much closer to 200 mm-hmm. or i might take it off the list and that's not because i don't think it's a good fun movie but again the name of this list is the 200 best horror movies of all time. Yeah. So I I just I just don't know if this movie is one of the top 200 horror movies ever made. Yeah. Um you told me 199, 198, I'd be like, yeah, sure, throw it on there. Yeah, my feeling is that uh a lot of periods in this sentence. If Black Christmas isn't on this list, uh, yeah, this should not be on this list. Yeah. That being said, I like instantly looking where it's the placement. I think Black Christmas easily could be one thirty three. I think it should actually be yeah. higher than that. But, I agree. Um, I think if you're one thirty three is very high for this movie. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I would I would agree. Where I would be like if if uh, if it either needs to be dropped down or I would sacrifice this movie easily to yeah. get Black Christmas back on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. But more I want more Christmas horror movies on this list because we need to do one every year. <laughs> and there's we're going to be doing this forever. There's another one on here called Rare Exports, which I'm kind oh. of excited to watch. It's a Finnish movie about, oh. um, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen it, but I, the the concept I believe is that there is an island where they breed Santa Claus monsters. That <laughs> it's it's supposed to be very good. So oh my I'm, god! I'm excited that is to watch that. The most finished thing I've ever heard in yes. my life. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's going to do it. Unless unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about. No, no, no. I think that's it for me. Uh, music did music didn't really stand out to me too much. Basic um, like Christmassy, yeah, holiday music. It, it's it's fun given the. The, the setting, but yeah. it's not like particularly remarkable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for Better Watch Out. This is our 50th episode. Woo. So thank you everyone for uh, listening to us for 50 episodes. Uh, we are actually, this is the la- I think this is going to be the last episode of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be back the first week of January. But um, what we will talk, what we can talk about <laughs> in the interim, I guess, this is a bad segue. <laughs> uh, on Patreon, 
If you're following us on Patreon, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Amanda and I have been covering the entire Friday the 13th series because there is a frustrating 12 <laughs> movies in that series. Yes. And as of uh, as of today, that's not correct. As of this month, we will have finished that series wrapping up with yes. the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. A so. high quality film, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So uh, we we had to figure out what we were going to do for a Patreon topic for next year because there's not really another series that lines up as well as this one did. So nicely with the 12 months in the year. Yeah, and I mean, I think there is there 12 Saw movies? I don't know. Oh, God, I, I don't, maybe, but I don't know yeah, if we're... I don't think I could do that. I don't know if we're emotionally ready for 12 Saw movies in a row. So uh, uh, we put it to the vote of the Patreon subscribers. We gave them three choices. It was uh, uh, horror, horror remakes, uh, early 80s slasher films, and Stephen King adaptations and Stephen King adaptations has won handily with about a 68% uh, of the vote, about 50 people I think voted. So thank you guys for doing that. So uh, what we're going to do there is since there is a number of Stephen King adaptations on our list, quite a few, we are going to limit our coverage to ones that are not on the list, which I think works well because they're not like part of a series. So it's not, Right. It's not like it's not like the fact that there's three uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies on the right. list, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, what we are going to do starting in January on Patreon, this is this will be our list. We are going to bookend the year with it. So yeah. we covered uh, it part one on our main list. And so the first movie we're going to do in January will be it part two, uh, which is really in service of the fact that in December <laughs> when we talk about the 1990s television movie version of it one year from now one year from now we will have a complete picture of both versions and we can kind of talk yes. about them both and compare and contrast but the list as it stands right now in no particular in order no particular order except for first and last yes is it part two Christine silver bullet maximum overdrive the original pet cemetery the original Salem's Lot, Children of the Corn, Needful Things, Sometimes They Come Back, Cujo, The Dark Half, and the 1990s TV version of It. So I'm pumped. I am too, because much <laughs> like Stephen King books, yes. have not seen all of these. No, and no, I, I definitely have not seen all of these. Yeah. yeah, and it's a lot of ones like... We were talking beforehand about how most of these are from like the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s. Yeah. That seemed to be a real, it seems like every 15 years or so there is a boom of Stephen King adaptations. Like one does really well and so then they're all over the place. He's like a Saturn Return or like a Pennywise. Yeah. Just after every certain amount of time he comes back. Yeah, he's like the Halley's Comet of horror adaptations. (laughs) Um, And the 90s was really this interesting era of tv miniseries yep. which was like I, which is funny because what what counted as a miniseries in like 1991 i think is just a theatrical film now like or I think, like an hbo yeah like yeah. it it part two might almost be as long as the entirety of the television series because it's i think yeah. it's like three something hours maybe four hours and it yeah. part two is like two and a half hours that's long. true yeah movies are fucking long nowadays yeah. especially long horror movies 
never really understood it, but that's a different mm. conversation. Um, but yeah, you've got the TV ones, which kind of got a lot of press, but then a lot of these theatrical ones didn't really get a lot of press. You've got like Needful yeah. Needful Things, and uh, I think Children of the Corn is a 90s movie, I, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, you know, Pet Cemetery. I think, is late 80s, early 90s. Uh-huh. Some of these movies in there, uh, Grave, uh, sometimes they come back. There's yeah. another one in there. I can't remember what it's called, but it's... They there's they were kind of going under the radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it was less uh, remarkable and less remarked upon that yes. these were Stephen King works. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to diving into some of these. I was looking yeah. into possibly if we could do Storm of the Century. Oh. Because I remember seeing that miniseries and thinking it was awesome yeah but it's like five part four or five parts it was just too long yeah yeah there's there's several sort of outlying stephen king miniseries and and things like that that i don't think we could quite encapsulate yeah yeah (laughs) in a podcast at least not unless we wanted to do several episodes on one thing um but yeah so that's what we're going to be doing next year so if you would like to join us for that uh adventure you can support us on patreon at the patreon.com slash the penske file and thank you to everyone who has done so over this past year and helped us get through friday the 13th thank you i needed your support towards the end there (laughs) it was getting getting real rough from parts like eight or nine onwards yeah and i we haven't recorded that final episode yet but i have a feeling it's going to be a long one so that's going to be a a a whiskey one if i ever yes yes so uh buckle up guys (laughs) get your money's worth on that one but uh (laughs) thank you guys for listening uh we will be back in early january oh wait what are we doing do you have a, a a wild card film in the hopper? Oh, that's right. It is technically my wild. Are we going to be like off a number on wild cards though? Or uh, just not no, it'll number even this out. One? So it'll be like fifty one will be wild card, and then fifty five will be wild card instead of just fifty five being the wild card. If that makes sense. We okay. did, we did the same thing last year with Black Christmas. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I think I want us to go in a totally different direction. Okay. I would like to do Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. All right. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I can't remember if I... Let's get black and white and weird. Yeah, I can't remember if I've seen that one or if I've seen Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. But either way, (laughs) looking forward to that. Yeah, it's kind of like think about Better Watch Out and then think about the total opposite of that. (laughs) Okay. Because that's kind of more where we're going. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Uh, But yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. See you guys later. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.